this morning. We have sung songs of victory. We've sung about victory in Jesus. That's an obvious song of victory. But we also sung, sung a song of victory as we talked about the fact that I have a friend in Jesus. We sang a song of victory as we sung about the fact that I am redeemed in Him. Songs of victory. We have a victory. Are you ready for that victory? Are you looking for that victory? As we open up our Bibles and we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, we encounter David as he had a great victory. But it wasn't a victory that anyone else anticipated. It was a victory that came in the context of a great challenge. As we look at the battle between David and Goliath, and the victory that exists in this sword, in this text, we are reminded of the victories that we can have. The victory that we can have as a church. The victory that we can have as individuals. The victory that we have as Christians. We want to look at this story this morning and think about David's battle and think about our battle. Notice the opening verses of 1 Samuel chapter 17. As we look at the challenge that awaited David, that awaited Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah in F.S. Damani. Now we all know where those places are, right? You all remember our Middle Eastern geography? Verse 2 says that Saul and his men and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath. From Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had a bronze, uh, bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then I will become, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. 
Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words, the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here's the scene. Israel has come up to battle against the Philistines. This is early on, perhaps, in the kingdom, or the kingship, the monarchy, of Saul. And the Philistines were a people of the coastal lands that were confronting and fighting with the Israelites for control of the area that you and I now know as Israel, and perhaps a little bit of Syria, and a little bit of Jordan today. And Gath is one of those cities that was on the coast. It was one of the four key cities of the Philistines. And this is where this Philistine warrior named Goliath came from. And the text that we just read said he was eight or at uh, uh, He was, what, nine cubits uh, tall? Let me read that again, make sure I'm saying that correctly. Uh, he was an enormous man. Six cubits and a span. Remember, a cubit is about 18 inches. So if we were to say he was a six-foot guy, we might think of Joe over here. That's a pretty big, pretty tall individual. But he was six times 18. We're looking at a man that is well over nine feet tall. How would you feel if Shaquille O'Neal came up to you and said, hey, you want to do a little bit of sparring today? I mean, we would be intimidated by that. So this huge man, great in height and apparently great in strength, the measurements of his weaponry suggest that he had just tremendous weapons. The Philistines already had an advantage over the Israelites in the fact that the Philistines had mastered the art of ironwork. And so their weapons were usually made out of iron. They had generally control of the area and they deprived any of their neighbors from the ability to have iron. And so most of the countries, the rural territories surrounding Philistia did not have the same type of weaponry that the Philistines had. They were outmatched, outtooled, outprepared to do battle with the Let alone this man that went six times 18. 10 feet, 8 inches off time, tall. This massive man challenging them, saying, come and fight. Look, if you will just send one man, if he's able to defeat me, we will all serve you. But if your one man can't beat me, we don't need all this bloodshed. You can just be our servant because that's what it's going to be anyway. Can you imagine that challenge? And so here is all Israel, and they're hearing this day after day, this challenge from Goliath. And day after day, it drags on. Why are we here about to battle this army? We can't even defeat this one warrior, let alone this magnificent army. No one in Israel wanted to face Goliath. No one in Israel wanted to face this battle. 
We jump down in the text. We look at verse 24. It says, When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. They tried to pump up and, and encourage each other, guessing what the reward might be. But the reality was, no one wanted to battle the lion. He was huge. And yes, that was before Donald Trump. Everything's huge, right? But he says this man, this the text is describing a man that no one can beat. And Israel was afraid; they were terrified. This went on day after day. Look at verse sixteen. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for forty days and took his stand. They're just standing there looking at each other for 40 days, for a month and 10 days. And they are terrorized by the thought of doing battle, not just with the Philistines generally, but with this man specifically. And the text says that he defied Israel. But as we read the text, we find out that here comes a young man who knows nothing of the lion, who's just a young man, maybe a teenager, and he has great faith in God. Look at verse 17. Then Jesse said to David, his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand, and look into the welfare of your brothers. Bring back news of them. For Saul and, and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Okay, so apparently David's a young man. He doesn't like to watch CNN or Fox News. He doesn't apparently know that there's a battle that's waiting to be waged. His dad says, oh, this is where they're at. This is what they're doing. I want you to go and take some food to them. I want you to take some food to their commander. I suppose it always helps to make sure that the master sergeant is taken care of. Verse 20. So David arose early in the morning and left with a flock with a keeper. Left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. David left his baggage in the care, the baggage keeper, and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. Verse 22. Now verse 23. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming up in the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. So, the lion offers the same challenge that he has every day for the past 40 days. No one's able to take him up uh, on this challenge. And as David happens to arrive at the camp, here comes the two battle armies, uh, the two armies to their battle lines, and here comes Goliath, and he restates his challenge. 
for all Israel to hear. And David hears it. And again, we've already read verses 24 and 25, but David hears these men talking about what the king might offer, what they speculate the king might offer. Anyone will just take the challenge. Certainly you'll have great riches. Certainly you'll get to marry the king's daughter. Certainly your house will have great freedom. Your family will have great freedom in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing with him. Verse 26. Standing by him. Saying, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Do you notice where David's faith is at? David's faith is not with the idea that he is a young teenager perhaps uh, in the prime of his athletic ability and, and able to do great things. His faith is in God. Who is this guy? I don't care if he's ten feet tall. Who is he to taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Everything they talked about in verses 24 and 25. Verse 28, Now Elab, his oldest brother, heard his... When he spoke to the men, and Elab's anger burned against David and said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. When the words of David, which David spoke, were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fall on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go up against the Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued him from the mouth, from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the beard, bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear and will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Again, look at where David's faith is at. At first glance, we look at this, and David is boasting. Look, I killed a bear, I killed a lion as they were attacking my father's sheep. But then as we move down through the text, we see he says, The Lord delivered me. And in the same way, God is able to deliver me from the hand of this giant, from the hand of this man that's ten feet tall, from the hand of this man who has been doing battle since he was my age. God is able to give the victory. Everyone looking at David sees him as nothing more than a teenager. Or at least the text says a youth. His oldest brother Elon is saying, Look, I know, I know what you're all about. You just want to see a big fight. 
Saul sees him and says, you're nothing but a youth. You can't find him. But David has great confidence, not in himself. His confidence is in God. And so we know the story as it takes place. David tries on, Saul gives him all his armor, it just falls off of him. It doesn't do him any good. David says, I, I don't need any of it. I'm simply going to trust in God. And so David prepares to do battle. Verse 39 says, David girded his sword, that is Saul's sword, over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested him. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five small stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. That's verse 40. I'll look at verse 41. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield-bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he had to stay for him, for he was but a youth, and Rudy, with handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. The Philistines also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky, to the beasts of the field. And so here's the Philistine. Here's the giant. He looks at David and he's insulted because all that the Israelites could muster was a little teenager to come out and fight him. And not only that, but he's coming out with sticks and stones. Why even bother me? You're not even good enough for me to come out against. But all right, Israel, if this is what you're going to throw out, I'll kill this guy as well as anybody else. But Goliath is insolent. Because this is all they could muster. A little boy to do that. And so the Philistine, Goliath, says, I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the sky, to the beasts of the field. But notice what David says. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, and I come to you in the name of the Lord. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. David says, you haven't taunted me. You haven't taunted Israel. You've taunted God. Because these people belong to God. This kingdom belongs to God. This is God's people. And by taunting them, you've taunted God. David goes on. Verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord. And he will give you into our hands. David again goes back to God. 
God's going to give the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. And He's going to provide the victory. Not by any of the means that you Philistines can appreciate the means of war, the weaponry of war, but by His hand. Verse 48, Then it happened, the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. Then David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into the bag and took from it a stone, a single stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the rest of the chapter depicts the battle that occurs following this event in which the Israelites are able to defeat the overwhelming prowess, the technological superiority and perhaps the superiority of number of Philistines in the battle by God's hand. But you see, the battle that was there before David was an insurmountable battle. Fighting someone of great stature, fighting someone who had better weapons, fighting someone who was well trained to do battle. And he put his faith not in his own abilities or in his own technique, or his own prowess, but he leaned time and time again on God, and God provided the victory. God provided success. And David was able to defeat the wife, and the Philistines fled, and the Israelites overtook. That was David's battle. And that was the victory that God gave David on that day. And a victory for His people. And as a church, and as individual Christians, we have a battle. As a church, we live as a community of believers. We are opposed by the world. And by the prince of this world. We are opposed by every temptation that Satan places before us. We are opposed by the standards of the world that say it's okay to live this way and to do these things. When we know that God has told us this is how I want my creation to live. And so we battle as we find ourselves in that struggle between the world that says do these things, it's okay, it feels great. You can have things your way. You can be happy. You can feel good. You can watch out for yourself. And those temptations take many forms. They strike us financially. They are set before us in many physical ways. And the world says, this is how we ought to live. But Christians live a different and sometimes the critics of Christianity are vocal. Why do you live that way? It's so silly. Why do you believe in God? That's, that's nothing but a myth. 
That's old-fashioned. That's antiquated. That's silly. Why would you want to live by that outdated standard? That's nothing more than men trying to control you. Others trying to relegate and regulate your life. Sometimes there's a silent mistake. I'll open it up with you. Sometimes our values are mocked. We've already suggested that's silly. And sometimes it's a hostile or indifferent atmosphere that we encounter. But we have that battle. We have that challenge. And fear can sometimes prevent us from taking action. Our fear of sometimes facing that animosity. Our fear of maybe finding our friends rejecting us. Or maybe our family rejecting us. Or our fear of maybe someone close to us no longer wanting to be near us because they find our religious values, our Christian faith, our standard of living as being something unsuitable for them. Because of our fear of that rejection, that attitude, Sometimes it's easy for us to just give. Sometimes after we hear those things day after day for 40 days, for 40 months, maybe even for 40 years, it's easy for us to just stand on the side, waiting to see what's going to happen. But that's not what God wants us to do. There is a battle to be fought. And when we have our faith in God, we can take action just as David took action, and we can find victory. As a church, sometimes we don't want to cross over toward the blackness of the world to engage the world because we're afraid of rejection. Sometimes it's more comfortable to sit in a room with other Christians. And just talk about it. Rather than engaging more. And saying, this is why I live differently. This is why I believe in God. This is why I believe in Jesus. This is how I've seen my life change because I believe in God and Christ. And sometimes we just want to be like the Israelites who are gathered up on the battle line talking about the other guys Talk about how bad they are. Talk about how nasty they are. Talk about all the negatives that we see. And we tell ourselves, oh, look how good it's going to be. Look what the king's going to give us. Rather than rushing to the battle. And sharing. Sharing Jesus. And because of our fear, or sometimes our comfortability just being over here, we never go through that. The difference between our battle and the battle that David faced is when we capture the enemy, so to speak. It's not a physical battle to put them to death. It's a spiritual battle to bring them to life. To save them. To lead them to their own victory. 
sometimes we've been lulled to sleep instead of engaging them. By just telling ourselves we're okay as long as we congregate and assemble with them. It's time that we cross into the world's camp and engage by taking our stones and looking what God can do. David reached down in that brook and he took the five stones, but he only needed one. And as we look at our lives and we look at our abilities and we look at the skills that we have, sometimes God has equipped us with many. And we can use those for God's work. God can use those for victory. And as we plant this new church here in New our task is not just to be another side of the battle line where we sit back and we see what happens. We plant this church because we want to engage. Because we want to run to the battle so that we can see souls being Sometimes we have battles, not simply as a church, but as individuals. We look at the challenge before us in our lives. We think of all the bad things that we've done in life, all the sins that we've done in life, all the challenges we face. And we tell ourselves, I can't do it. David said, This is God's time. This is God's plan. We don't want to taunt God by saying, I can't, when the victory is His. Folks, we know people that have been alcoholics, that have been engaged in drug use for years and years. That have been able to come out of those sentences and have a victory in the world and are now active Christians. I personally have been able to study with folks, uh, some of whom have lived a very dark life, and they've been able to come out of that and live a victorious life as a Christian. And their life has been completely changed. Sometimes, as we look back in our lives, we look at wrecked relationships, ruined relationships, and we can tell ourselves. Look what I got myself into. Look at the mess my life has become. And we tell ourselves, I can't come out of that. But yes, you can. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. And when you follow Christ, and you live life as a Christian, He gives you the victory. And so the battle is His. The victory is His. Victory. That's the message that we want to take as we engage the world. That is the stone that we have in our bag. A message that God can provide a victory, that God can provide changed lives when we live for Him. And it begins with each of us. When we make a decision in our minds, I believe in God. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we tell ourselves, I want to get rid of the sin in my life and I want to change my life. And then we become united with Jesus in His death, burial, and His resurrection to baptism. 
or raised up out of the watery grave, having crucified our old bodies to live anew in service to God. And if that's what you want to do this morning, the victory can be yours. We invite you to come together. Thank you.